All right, welcome to episode two of Behind the Visual, a podcast that interviews the people responsible for creating, producing, and putting together all the pictures and videos you see in your world every day. I'm your host, Mark Hansen, and today we have Jamie Boyder. And Jamie is the brand principal and COO of Bolt Group, a design, innovation, and experience firm whose client list includes some of the biggest companies in the world, such as Coca-Cola, Lowe's, Chick-fil-A, Izod, Phillips Van Heusen, Speedo, and many more. So if you guys are interested in seeing what Bolt Group does or possibly working with them, please go check them out at www.boltgroup.com. All right. Thank you, Jamie. Again, Thank you, Mark. here and agreeing to do this and kind of giving us an idea of what it takes to bring all these ideas to life. Sure. And, and Thanks for having me. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So, um, tell us a little bit about you and how you, you know we got to where you are and Bolt Group, how it came about, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, sure. Well, um, yeah, uh, we've been uh, next year will be our thirty fifth year that uh, we've been in business. Um, and, um, and I've been here for most of that, all but a couple of years. Um, I got my start really uh, in college, um, discovered graphic design um, after thinking I wanted to be an architect and uh, took an introductory class and, uh, and really sort of fell in love with how to communicate visually and verbally and um, had been talented. I painted and drew when I was a kid and that kind of thing. So uh, really, but really trying to find what I wanted to do. Um, my, my professor was a bit of a mentor and um, really sort of was the one that encouraged me to go to design school. And so um, ultimately he, um, he told me he was retiring and that I needed to, I needed to get out of there. And so I ended, got my portfolio together, together and uh, transferred from uh, Clemson and ended up getting my BFA from East Carolina uh, from their School of uh, uh, Art and Design. And, uh, and from there, I sort of made my way back toward Charlotte and, um, and uh, had worked a, um, a couple of uh, studios and sort of been put my own shingle out and started working freelancing and consulting with other uh, small design firms around town. Met um, uh, Monty, and uh, he had some projects, Monty Montague, um, my, one of my current uh, uh, partners and we began working on some projects together and and over the next few months maybe six months it, it sort of it, we realized that maybe this was something we wanted to do more permanently and so I, I went to work full-time and then a few years later after that we uh, we changed the name to to Bolt Group and uh, and when I became one of the owners. And how'd you come up with the name Bolt? Well uh, really there was we were uh because there was a change in ownership, we, we wanted to wanted to change the name and sort of get all the names off of the off of the door because we weren't a we weren't a law firm, and um, so late one night um, I was in the studio doing uh, a, a ideation session and we were just flipping through and I literally was going through Webster's unabridged dictionary. We still got it. It's you know like this thing, and I came across Bolt um, B O L T. That and there are fourteen definitions um, uh, to that word. And uh, as a product innovation and brand development firm, we mean different things to different clients. And for a lot of clients, they would come to us when there was a uh, speed to get the market. So bolting ahead of the pack. Um, for others, it was they come to us for you know wildly creative solutions. So it was a bolt out of the blue. 
Um, for others, it was it was connecting parts together um, or bringing customers together through a solution. So we're bolting that together. Um, and and for others, it's it's hitting the mark. So uh, a bolt in the in a crossbow. So it was it really sort of became well this this really explains who we are from our customer's perspective. And so um, I developed a a rationale, typed it up, presented it to my partners the next morning. We all kind of looked at one another and said, "Mm, well, that's pretty cool, let's look at that. And so did a quick IP check, it was available, so we we incorporated as Bolt Group. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, especially I did an IP check on Mark Hans photography, and it was taken. <laughs> oh. And he wouldn't sell it. I've been working for the wrong guy all this yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That dude wouldn't sell it either. I was like, I'll give you a grand. He's like, no. Nope. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, we were able to get, we got protection uh, on, we, you know, we had to incorporate as uh, the Bolt Group Incorporated, and we had a DBA of Bolt. Because a lot of people just refer to us that way, right. but yeah. we kind of go by Bolt Group um, for the most part. But uh, but yeah, we were we were able to get some protection on it. So that's good. Yeah, which is which is really good. I mean, that's part of what we do. Um, you know, we've we've uh, named you know dozens and dozens of products um, and a number of companies um, in the 34 years that we've we've been around. So it's kind of part of our process anyway and the whole name development piece of it or brand development. Yeah. So tell me how you guys, when you first started out, even now, how you get these major worldwide clients because it's not like you just walk in the door and go, hey, we want to work with you guys and they go, all right, come on in the door, let's do it. There, there is some the knocking on the doors, and and uh, you know we have an ongoing um, uh, marketing development uh, program, and um, uh, Ed Holm, who's one of my uh, partners, um, Ed's responsibility is business development, and over the years we we still get about I would say 85 percent of our business through um, referral or network as do a lot of other firms like ours. But we, we, we have an outreach program. Um, and for like a Coca-Cola kind of thing, that's a campaign. Yeah. You do go down and knock on doors. And you, you, meet, you meet people, you get placed here, you might get the chance to do a project, and then based on the results of that project, you're introduced to someone else. And before you know it, you've kind of worked yourself into being relied upon, um, and you become a good resource and so this, this when we were one of many, many, many agencies right. of record for Coca-Cola, uh, most of our work was focused around occasion-based marketing. So we were activating their brands um, in various ways at retail through various programs. And that was a lot of what we did, just based on the talent that we have here. Wow. That's impressive. Just to get in the door, I would think, Coke, you got to have something... Well, it was, I mean, we had, uh, it it started small, you know, and then it kind of mushroomed. We, we, I think one of the things that uh, differentiated us um, from a lot of other firms were the fact that we, we did have industrial design and we, and graphic design sitting side by side. And we had experience at retail of developing um, experience design. So a lot of, that was a lot of the work that we did as opposed to working on um, the Coca-Cola brand, right. we were activating the Coca-Cola brand. You know, how does it, how does it act at retail? And how do we, how do we, we did a lot of co-marketing 
uh, co-branding work where uh, with Kraft and um, and Coca-Cola or with Nabisco and Coca-Cola. So it's like, how do you take two ubiquitous brands like DiGiorno Pizza and Coca-Cola and oh, you yeah. put, how do you put them together at retail to create a solution for mom? You know, a dinner solution. So uh, make memories together kind of thing. Or together tonight. You know, it was one of the, was one of the uh, programs where we came up with. Where, we're, where we've got a cooler of of two liter cokes um, sitting on an end cap, and then right beside that we've got a freezer full of DiGiorno pizza, and we do a and we designed um, a cover that where where the actual it looked like a side by side refrigerator freezer, you know, and so oh, we yeah. did it together tonight, you know. So it's it takes you know the idea we were trying to solve problems, um, and that's really what design is, and that's what we do. Yeah. You know. You guys also, with uh, like I just learned the other day, you guys also design products and come up like with Cobalt. Sure. Like those. Yeah, Cobalt Tools was a great program for us. It was, um, it's it's been about uh, twenty years ago now, maybe just a little bit more than that, about twenty years ago. But um, but yeah, we were working, we were already working with Lowe's on some other projects, and uh, Dale Pond, who was the CMO at the time, came to us with sort of a hypothesis of. You know, he thought if they if it's positioned right um, and correctly, that he could sell mechanics tools at, at Lowe's and at a, for a premium price. Um, and so we went out and we started with some extensive research, qualitative and quantitative, to really understand the market, understand what the product needed to be, um, how it needed to communicate. So we um, we worked with um, professional mechanics professional non-mechanics, DIYers, knowing full well that we would probably never sell these tools to professional mechanics because, you know, they they buy their tools off the truck um, and they mortgage their house. Premium, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a, uh, so it's a snap-on or Mac kind of thing. But we needed to understand from them what a professional tool needed to be. And so from there we were able to really kind of dig in, create the foundation uh, the positioning of what the brand needed to be, how it needed to respond to the marketplace. We created the name, we created the identity, uh, the logo, the lockup, uh, created the merchandising for it, the packaging, uh, the visual brand language for the tools themselves. We worked with the manufacturer to, then we went back into the market. Um, we, a lot of the people that we had interviewed initially in the qualitative work, we created panels that we could go back periodically and test tools with them, uh-huh. you know, so, uh, or from an ergonomic standpoint, how does this work? How does this feel? That kind of thing until we got the design exactly the way we wanted. Um, and then launched it out in the market marketplace, um, did really well, uh, right at first and, the merchants and the buyers got real anxious and started putting the brand on everything. And um, uh, so we got, a, we got a call in um, maybe a year after we had initially launched. Um, from, actually from well, Bob. Was quick, <laughs> well, yeah, it just it happened yeah. pretty quick. Wow. And um, Bob Gafella, who had been our client at Coca-Cola, had left Coke and had gone to Lowe's. And so he was in charge of uh, merchandising, and he called up and and he said, "Hey, we're we're about to break this brand. Can you guys come back in and help us get it back in its lane?" So we we went back in and and, and worked with them, and 
And then it just it, it, it felt right for us to kind of stay with it. So we then spent the next two or three years um, sort of being the brand communication agency for that brand to sort of launch it um, further out into the marketplace and help get in motorsports. Um, we got a lot of articles written and things in the hot rod magazines and um, that sort of thing. We did a we did a media tour across the country wow. where I um, I was the brand manager for Cobalt, yeah. which is something we wouldn't normally do. Normally, the client would be doing that, but um, it was kind of new to developing that. So we we participated. We we played that part, um, I should say, and uh, ended up getting to uh, meet Jay Leno and be, and uh, be one of his. Uh, uh, guest at one of the tapings of the Tonight Show. That's pretty cool. That was yeah. That that was kind of fun. That was something that was completely unexpected. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a picture somewhere here in the office of me shaking hey, hands, me hanging out with Jay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> just, just tell everybody that was after dinner. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We came to the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was. It, it was. A, it was really cool. We. We knew what a tool he, he, he was. Right. Um, and at the time, he actually was writing an article maybe once a month for Popular Mechanics. So oh, we wow. had been, we had seen the folks at Popular Mechanics, and they said, where are you headed next? And said, well, we're going to be in L.A. And they said, well, you ought to take Mr. Leno some tools. So we had a toolbox full of tools that we were literally going to drop it off uh, right. in at the studio in, in Burbank. And uh, we called and... and uh, spoke to his um, executive assistant, and she she asked. She said, "Can I call you back?" And it was like, "Sure, no problem." Yeah. And a few minutes later, she calls back, and and she said, um, "Jay was wondering if maybe you could come to the show tonight if you had plans." And it's like, "Let me think oh, about it yeah. for a second. <laughs> and it's like, "No, of course not." So yeah, so we uh, so we 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 went over and um, got the. Um, they had us in a, a guest room, and then we went and we sat in a section over next to the to the band, watched the warm up, and then watched the show. And then after the show, we were invited up on stage and to to meet Jay, and and we gave him his tools, and he took out a wrench and you know banged it on his table and held it up to his ear like a tuning fork. Wow! Which we had seen mechanics do that. Really? And, yeah. And he said, and he said, this is a great tool. This is, and, and you know, so that's that that's was impressive. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm assuming you don't go that deep for everybody that comes through here, do you? No. So what's no. the standard for more like a, a smaller standard kind of client that comes in? What's the process then of getting them what they need and making sure that they love what you guys present? Well, sure. Well, and that's a good point. We all of our clients aren't great big. We also work with startups. Um, you know, we, we look, oh, we work with companies in early stage development and very small entrepreneurs from time to time. So we've got our range of clients is, yeah. is vast. And often the work that we do for those smaller clients is really, really involved because it's everything. We're helping them develop what their product is. We're helping them name their company. We're helping them create the identity for that business. They're packaging their point of sale. Um, we may help them with um, uh, how to actually launch the product out into the marketplace, help them um, source manufacturing, that kind wow. of thing. So, um, so w- 
that's and and to be perfectly honest, as a design innovation experience firm, that's that's our that's our sweet spot. That's yeah. what we love the most is when we're able to have a seat at the table strategically with a client. Uh, we're working closely with them, um, taking them through that process from the very beginning. You know, which is which is a design thinking all the way through implementation process. And by taking them through that in a collaborative kind of way, um, where we're where we're gathering insights that are going to inform what we do in the design, we test, we prototype, we break it, we rebuild it, and we do that both for the brand and for the product. You know, to make sure that it's just right um, to when we get it to the end and we launch it. Um, we've actually created. A process of innovation for that company to then be able to continue as an ongoing concern and create new things. So, um, but uh, but yeah, we do have clients that will come to us for a very specific thing that that we need. But in almost every instance, we do our best to get back to a strategic level just to validate what the challenge actually is and understand. And and potentially challenge that problem right. that um, that it that that may only be a symptom. So they kind of say we need a new website. It may not be that they need a new website. It may they they need a whole other group of things. That you oh yeah. Well, it, it could very well be. Yes, you do need a new website. But right. That's not your real problem. Right. You know, the reason you need a new website is because you're not communicating very well. You know, you're not you're not being authentic. You're not communicating with transparency and truth. You know, or it could be that you've just you've lost your message. You're not as relevant as you used to be at one time. And why is that? You know, because as a company, um, it moves up this trajectory. Um, very often, they lose some of that the culture that helped get them started, especially in founder companies or yeah, legacy sure. companies. And you get to a certain point, um, and to continue to grow, you do the logical thing. You try and operationalize yourself to the next level. Well, the thing that you're forgetting about is what made you who you were to begin with. So you might lose your message. You might lose your relevance in doing that. And so reaching back and, and really understanding why you exist, and then what are those compelling truths, or we call pillars of your brand, and how are you communicating those in every single touch point, uh, both internally and externally? And that's how you build that brand ecosystem that every interaction is an experience internally. How HR handles um, talent, uh, search, and acquisition, and retainment has as much to do with your brand as anything else. Never would have thought that. Oh yeah, one of you know, uh, one of uh, one of our clients uh, is a um, uh, one the largest private practice, uh, clinician owned and operated um, practice of physical occupational and speech therapists um, uh, in the country. They're in about twenty one states now. And the work that we, the ongoing work that we did for them was really around recruitment and retention. Um, and it's, it, it was really to understand what does that perfect ideal candidate need to be like? Because this is a, it's, uh, it's 
um, its physical and occupational speech therapy for the geriatric, for the aging. And so they're, they have house calls. They make house calls. So you have to have a particular type of therapist anyway, yeah. very entrepreneur-minded, um, you know, self-starter. They create their own schedules and those kinds of things. So where they're at from a mindset is really important um, in terms of how you recruit and being able to recruit in a way that you get that best talent and then you express it and then you allow them to become your brand. And um, that's, that's where the retention piece comes. And so, so from an employer brand, it's, it's so important. And we, we do work around all of those areas. So if we're working on a corporate brand, very often there's an employer brand piece of it as well as a consumer or customer brand piece of it. Okay. You know, so the in-facing messaging and the out-facing messaging has to be consistent. Otherwise, it's not defensible as a position, ultimately. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I've never, never thought about it, but yeah, it makes complete sense. Oh, yeah. Well, with most of the, most of the brand work we do, especially as it relates to corporate identity, we'll create uh, a brand and culture guide, which is something that is used internally to talk about the brand. So that all of the employees understand what they stand for, you know, and and when you take them and 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 they they begin to believe it, they buy into it, you know, that's where you become. That's your best sales tool, because now you're creating brand ambassadors for your own brand, and uh, who can sell your brand better than those that own it, right? That are about it all the time. And so um, creating that sort of an advocacy around your brand, it, it not only creates a, a better employee, a happier employee, a more efficient employee, but um, also, uh, you know, becomes a sales tool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So once you've gone through all this and say you decide that they need some creative where they, they need photography, mm-hmm. videography, or something like that. How do you guys go about that process from coming up with the concept to hiring the people, who, the artists who are going to take care of that, to finding locations, to all that kind of, how's that work for you guys? Well, sure. Well, depending, again, on, on the, the type of client we've had, we've had um, uh, uh, retail apparel, we've had fashion apparel clients in the past, we've had consumer good clients, um, and typically when we're going through that process, again, it's... What are we? Um, what are we trying to communicate? What are we trying? What's what's the emotion that we're trying to evoke? Um, and from there, we will typically, if if we're scheduling a video shoot or um, a photo shoot for a particular thing, whether it's their website or whether it's communication, we think about what is the message, what's the story we're trying to tell, and we'll we'll. From a creative standpoint, um, our creative team of graphic designers and art directors, creative directors, writers, uh, we work together in, in symbiotically in that direction, going moving from strategy into creative, where we'll storyboard ideas, we'll come up with our shot list. Yeah, that's what I was asking if you guys do the storyboard. Oh, yeah, we, we'll, we'll story. And depending on the client, sometimes it's looser. Right. Um, for other clients, it's really, really detailed. Like for Coca-Cola, for instance, um, I did a photo shoot uh, years ago in um, Franklin, Tennessee, and um, we um, uh, our, our shot list had to be 
so dead on that we completely storyboarded out, sketched it out, um, worked with the photographer in building the sets, um, and almost and had pretty much pre-approval because it was a co-branding. Um, situation so we had pre-approval from both brands before we got on to set and then the um, the trick was um, how to keep the how to how to how to keep the two brands kind of at arm's reach right. <laughs> right. and away from the photographer while he's doing his work you know about yeah, that you know all yeah, about, that. about so that so then all of a sudden now you become account manager as well as creative director and and they're talking into each year and then you're talking to your photographer and and trying to create an equitable situation but it turned out really really well so how close was the final product to what you sketched out um, almost dead on. Really, it was. Okay. As a matter of fact, even some of the perspectives that we did, um, there was one shot where um, we actually we wanted to shoot um, uh, kids uh, in a treehouse, and um, so we built the treehouse. And uh, the the did you how did, where'd you find the location for the treehouse? Okay, so that so uh, Robin Hood is the photographer that we worked okay. with in Franklin. That's a hell he, of a name. I know, right? <laughs> Pulitzer Prize winner. Wow. Yeah, really, it, it, really great shooter. It, he did a book on Tennessee. It's really beautiful. But um, um, he had a great eye. He saw our storyboards. He said, "Let me go out. I'll do Polaroids." Um, that was yeah. <laughs> a while ago. <laughs> a while ago yeah. <laughs> uh, let's do Polaroids and that sort of thing. And he actually had a, a friend uh, who had this gorgeous um, oak tree uh, in their backyard, and he got up on um, their uh, their roof of their garage and shot the perspective that we were thinking about. Said, "This is looks great." Let's sort of see if we can paint it in, and and based on how we were going to shoot down on it, the treehouse ended up only being like seven feet off the ground. Really, but it looked but it like, like it. Higher, yeah. It looked like it was way up. But we built a trap door in it where mom was coming through oh, the nice. trap door with refreshments and that kind of thing. Kids were up, and it was also a safety issue. You know, we right. didn't want. We had we had young kids that we uh, we needed to make sure we built something that was safe and and sound. But uh, others, uh, shoots like the shoots you and I've been on together, where it's a little freer and looser. Yeah. Um, if it's fashion apparel, you know, where you're trying to get movement and that sort of thing. But but always we're really trying to create that emotion. You know, whatever that happens to be, whether it's for a campaign or whether it's more sustainable in terms of we're doing video for a website. Right. Um, and or doing still photography to match up with video for that we're doing, um, like like some of the work that we've done together. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how often do you guys work with photographers or videographers or even graphic designers? I know you guys have a stable here, but that are new to you, maybe not necessarily new in the business, but new to you guys that you haven't worked with before. Uh, every so often, yeah. you know. Every so, I mean. Um, from a photographer or videographer standpoint, yeah, it's it, if it's a particular thing or a particular location or somebody that we'd like to shoot with who's not available, um, or in some cases it's been I'm looking for a particular style, right? And um, and so going through Black Book and those kinds of things, you're just kind of looking, 
and then all of a sudden you sort of you see there's there's an Im- I love this image um, and very often that's what our graphic designers are doing in that planning stage is they're just they're looking online for swipes and so we're we're sort of creating style like I want it we're going to do laydowns and I want it right. to feel like this I want it, I want it to be backlit I want a rush of light coming through I want bright and airy and that or I I want something really moody. Um, and I want to think about it from that perspective, or selective focus. I, I want to I want to play with the the eye and the emotion, and hear ten tears of kind of what we're talking about, what we're thinking about. And you look at one of them, and this this is a particular photographer. You know, go well. Let's take a shot and let's see. Um, but the other is back to relationships. You know, you you have a really good shoot with a photographer and you start to develop that relationship you begin to rely on them and they begin to think like you think and you start to read one another's mind and and that whole creative process becomes um a lot more seamless right and you're and the success of the shoot goes up dramatically yeah yeah with that relationship so so then i guess find like if you are do you mainly use workbook or a black book or whatever at the time or do you guys delve into Instagram now or do you a lot of yeah it's you know everything is everything is digital, digital now yeah. including our the output of what we do so um, probably 40% of our brand work is 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 digital maybe more um, so yeah we'll use we different tools but Instagram accounts we're definitely looking at um, we'll go through and we'll um, we'll we'll look for um, similar products to sort of see from a styling standpoint if we see anything that catches our eye. Do you want to see like personal stuff on the Instagram account, like, or do you want to see basically just their portfolio on the Instagram? Do you care? Like, here's the, some shots I've done, for, like three or four shots I've done for clients, and oh look, here's me with my puppy, you know, <laughs> or whatever it is, or I hear me and the kids on vacation, or. Do you want, or is that just distracting? Like, all right, I don't, or do you just not give it? It depends on how it's curated. I mean, you know, we're, because we're designers, I mean, we, if you go on our Instagram account and you sort of scroll down, it's, it's a lot tighter in terms of how it's curated. Um, One of my senior graphic designers, uh, she sort of, she sort of manages our Instagram account and it's real particular about what's going to get placed next to what. Not necessarily the subject matter, but from a color, from a texture, from a context of how that actually works. And so at the, at the end of a a month or the end of a year or or whatever, as you scroll down, it has a feel to it. And, you know, we kind of look at that for all the folks that we sort of work with because you want to have a you want to get some sort of sensitivity to kind of how they think about things and um but having having personal stuff in there doesn't bother me at all because it kind of helps me understand more about that the personality of the of of that particular photographer and may sort of give us some indication of how that relationship is going to going to go Okay. So well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's it's like anything. You know, it's we and you know, from a social media perspective of, and a lot of the work that we do with our clients is related to creating a social media strategy. So certain channels are good for certain things. Um, you know, like LinkedIn. 
um, we're, we're pretty stodgy about making sure that that's very business oriented. Right. The, the work that's, that they're going to publish or they're going to post, those kinds of things is kind of buttoned up and um, versus if they've got a Facebook page for their company or whatever, that can be more social about, about what happens with a company picnic and, right, yeah. and you bring your dog to work day kind of thing. So you get that sort of flow. And then, of course, like Instagram, again, it's kind of you're, you're sort of telling the story. You're visually telling the story of what's going on there. So how that's curated and what's the messaging there. So with everything being so digital now, if somebody came in to meet with you, do you have a preference over, say, a print portfolio as opposed to an iPad? Does it matter? Or is the one that you just still like better? Um, I, I want them to bring something. Uh, <laughs> we've had a couple as opposed we, to their iPhone they're going like hey we, look we, my we've stuff. had a couple in the past where they they come in and, and uh, when somebody especially a designer is coming in to apply for a job and they come in and they don't bring their portfolio they expect you to have it and throw really? it up on the wow yes okay. happened, it's only happened a couple of times but those are real teaching moments for that designer <laughs> do you meeting quickly or do you actually sit there and go listen next time Here's what you should do. It well, it kind of goes like, um, I'm not going to hire you, right? But um, I, I, let's take this moment as a teaching moment to say, the next creative director you go talk to, you better have your portfolio, and you better have a copy of your resume, and you better have something to write on and something to write with, um, because they're probably not going to be as nice about it as I'm being yeah. you right now. But um, like it's only happened a couple of times. That's um, but yeah, with 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 today with motion and everything else, we, we're pretty much set. We know that you're going to come in with a tablet, or you're going to come in and, and you know, and we try to provide so that you can throw it up on the screen. Um, but if we're looking for print work, yeah. you know, it's really nice to see what print looks like. You know, because there's still some traditional, we're doing a corporate brochure or something like that, where that's where it's going to play out. It's really nice to see that work or examples of that work, how it got printed. I'm going to get to means because I have a a printed portfolio and I have my iPad Pro. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that when you go in there a lot, I'm just, oh my God, it's a portfolio. I I haven't seen one of these in a while. I know. know, And they're just like flipping through it and just feeling it. Well, it's still a, it's, you know, you know, Depending on kind of um, what generation you're in, um, you know, you still love the the texture, the tactile feel of having something to to look at. You know, it's um, and having been heavily in print um, and and in environmental design for a long time, then moving toward digital, um, it's it's still refreshing to see. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do you guys have an in-house producer? Um, you rely on photographers we, or whatever to bring. We'll typically look to the photographer to help us. Now we've produced some stuff in-house. We've right. got we've got full-time project management. Okay. So and our project managers are are not designers. So we'll work if we need to come in and and be producer. We'll do that. But we love working with a producer. Um, a lot of times it. It's based on budget. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll have a, you know, if if, if the uh, client just doesn't have the budget, then I will have our project manager kind of take over production of it, or we'll even have one of the 
one of the graphic designers, one of the art directors, kind of sort of stand in yeah. and work with the work with the photographer. Well, that's good. Right? Yeah, yeah, we're 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 pretty flexible that way. But you know, there there are those there are those budgets where you know you get to have a pretty good size crew, and then there are those where it's three of you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but know, the work yeah. is still good. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I've had all of those. Yeah. <laughs> One into the other. So I understand completely. Sure. All right, so last three questions I kind of ask everybody. Okay. What's the toughest part of your job, do you think? Or the one thing that you wish everybody knew that, so they think it's so easy doing what you do, what do you think, what would you like people to know about the end of your job or the toughest part? Well, the, the, the creative process is... A lot more involved. Uh, Design thinking is a lot more involved, and because you, most people only see the end result. They see the end product. They don't see how you made the sausage. I think you go into a room through darks until somebody comes up with an idea. Oh yeah, well, well, I mean, we we even we even joke about it. It, You know, when we're uh, name development is pizza and beer right you know and, and it's and that's sometimes what clients think but they, yeah. it's, it's a it's a lot more involved in that and the whole design process is is so involved and iterative of and you're not going to hit it the very first time and but it's the collaboration and working back and forth as a team to get to that solution constantly reflecting back against your goals and that sort of thing um, most people aren't supposed to see that Right. But that's where um, you. That's where the value is, so that the the solution is the most appropriate it can possibly be. Right. You know, so that's a, it, it's um, it's pretty hard to explain. Uh, but when you get it, you really get it. And right. when someone when when you have a client that appreciates the the design, the process, um, it, it allows you to then take them and to a new level you know well that makes sense if you say that's the toughest part because that's the part where you're doing your best on your end to try and make sure your client's happy with what you present them that's right just be like dealing with clients saying like all right well you don't put a whole lot of thought into whatever because you just oh sure that your clients don't like what you present every single time and and you know your your design team they're all um altruistic they they're looking for their the the greatest success they can have and that's a as a as a mentor and um a leader of that group that's another area that uh, an an 80 percent solution for you as a designer very often is a 110 percent solution for your client and so there's an expectation that you want to try to create that you know you've exceeded expectations on this project. It, you didn't get everything that you absolutely wanted in that or out of that, but what you did do is you created something that was award-winning, it works for the client, it works for the client's customer, and they now trust you for you to take them to the next level, to be able to get them closer to perfection, right. which you'll never have. Oh, yeah. But we all want perfection. Well, of course. Yeah. You just got to learn you can't really achieve it. Right. Or else you start and, crazy. But you can't be too disappointed either. Um, if, if it doesn't come as far as you wanted it to come that first time. Yeah. Just knowing that you've done a great job. Knowing that you've, 
you've exceeded expectation, you've met the criteria, it's going to give you another another swing at the bat. Well, I think for me it's making, even if I don't look at it and think it's 100% where I want it to be or exactly what I want it, if my client's like, we love this, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, I've at least done my job. That's and right. I've made them happy and given them what they needed, and then maybe next time we can... Well, there again, that's, that's where the relationship becomes so important because then you become that trusted advisor yeah. and you're able to stay with that client even when that client goes somewhere else. They call, they come back to you yeah. because they know what they're going to get and you continually help move them to the next level, to the next level um, uh, in, in terms of um, uh, achieving the kinds of things you want to do. So I ended up shooting food a couple of times. <laughs> I should not want to because our director said you can. Yeah. So what's your favorite part of the job? Um, I think the, um, the, the joy of being around uh, the team we've created and um, uh, in developing relationships. It's it's got to be got to be it. I mean, um, you have to maintain such a high level of curiosity to be good at what you do in this particular field in the industry, and being surrounded with um, curious other curious people is a joy because every day is an adventure. You know, every day is going to be something new. Um, and it's likely to you're likely to have um, good surprises every day. Yeah. You have some bad ones, but you know. But but more than not, it's it's that and sort of mentoring, coaching, mentoring, yeah. teaching. For me, that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, I've got I hire people to replace me, and I've got some of the best. And they and, love you, by the way. <laughs> The shoot something on when you're not around, never heard a bad word about you. If your name comes up, it's always about how great you are oh, and, wow. and how they like you and all that. There's never been like, Jamie, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, now I'm embarrassed. Um, no, it's, uh, we've got, I've got super talented um, people and we have an orientation. We have a culture. Yeah. And that's so important in any business um, especially a creative business but in any business developing that culture is paramount to being able to get the most out of your folks and um, so I you know I want to be I try to be a, you know take a position of uh, servant leadership and I try to be there um, try to be the net but it's their show I want them to I want them to do their best and show out well, you're doing a good job of whatever that can tell. Well, thanks. All right, last question. What is the most interesting, strangest, worst strangest thing that has happened to you in this job? Holy cow. Uh, worst, strangest? It can be both. It can be one or the other. Weirdest. Um, psychotic. Yeah. <laughs> I um, my plane ran out of fuel one time um, over uh, Pennsylvania <laughs> in a snowstorm. Um, okay, it was it, it, it ended up, obviously it ended oh, up yeah. nicely, but um, I I, um, I had been 
one client uh, during the day was taking a quick flight from um, uh, Harrisburg um, into Newark, where I was meeting um, Mike Kelly and guys from PVH um, that that we were working, and it was a snowstorm. So it was, I was on a little like dash eight or yeah. something like that. So we got off the ground and we got up, and we almost immediately. Um, they were closing airports. JFK was closing, and then LaGuardia was closing, so everything was being pushed to Newark. And so we just, we got into this pattern. And we had, and they had only planned for a short flight. And we literally, we circled for a couple of hours. And finally, it was like, we're out of fuel. Uh, And so they opened up the airport at Allentown. It had already closed. They went out, they opened it up, um, tried to scrape, their, and we came in on fumes. They landed the plane, they put us all on a bus, and, and, and we, we rode the bus to Newark. Meanwhile, I've got my clients are, who were picking me up, they're in, this was pre-9-11, um, they're in the airport in Newark. And our flight just goes off. <laughs> it just oh, disappears. It's like, where, where's that flight from, from Harrisburg? Well, sir, we don't know. <laughs> so there was, you know, and, you know, cell phones and that kind of thing. So I, I show up like two and a half, three hours late. late. But they're still there waiting on me. That they sat there that long just waiting. Oh, yeah. Well, it was, uh, but, it, but it was, that was one of those, you know, it, it, it was you just didn't know. You just didn't know. It, what started out as a normal day turned into anything but a normal day at the end of the day. Um, I was also in New York um, when the power went out. Um, oh yeah, in two thousand and two. Yeah, and uh, and so uh, it, we we actually had an office in New York for seven years, and so I was I commuted back and forth, and I happened to be up there. And we had just come out of um, uh, a client meeting and had stopped off at uh, the uh, local watering hole uh, down on 36 in Madison when the power went out. Nobody thought about it for a little while, but then people started to get antsy about it. And then uh, ultimately, um, I ended up walking. I was staying at the Gramercy Park. Um, hotel and I ended up walking down Park Avenue all the way down with this sea of humanity you know and um, and the lights were completely out and um, fortunately it was before the Gramercy had, re- had um, upfitted so it had an old had a key lock oh, yeah. and so um, I was able to get up to my room eventually um, but no power and the next day I just I took a flyer I was I had a driver picking me up at the at the office at 11 o'clock but I had not been able to communicate at all and so I just took a took a chance and walked over to the office um and was sitting on the curb and right there Leo pulls up you know and so as soon as we crossed through the tunnel back in New Jersey I had phone service I, you know everything yeah that was weird wow that was weird yeah I'd say so yeah but you know it's just word out. Yeah, it's good. Well, Jamie, thank you very, very much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Mark, my pleasure. My pleasure. We've enjoyed our relationship for a number of years and working with you and 
and hope to continue to do so in the future. Well, me too. Thank you. All sir. right. Thanks, Appreciate man. It. Thank All you. Right. Thank you guys for tuning in to Behind the Visual. If you like it, let everybody know about it. Share it with your friends. Like, comment. You know, all that kind of stuff so we can stick around. Thank you, guys. Thanks, sir. Thanks. Appreciate it.